This short cigar belongs to the man with no name. This long gun belongs to the man with no name. This poncho belongs to the man with no name. Don't you want to see me? What's wrong, Ramon? You losing your touch? Shoot to kill, you better hit the heart. Aim for the heart or you'll never stop me. man with no name, danger fits him like a tight black glove. He is, perhaps, the most dangerous man who ever lived. Get three coffins ready. you laughing? You see, my mule don't like people laughing. He gets the crazy idea you're laughing at him. Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to, I might convince him that you really didn't mean it. My mistake, four coffins. This man with no name is played by Clint Eastwood. He's going to trigger a whole new style in adventure. A Fistful of Dollars is the first motion picture of its kind. It won't be the last. Hello, welcome to Movie Umpers. I'm Bob Sheehan. I'm Angela. And uh, the sounds you hear may be dogs. And uh, this month, assholes... The yes. asshole on film. Yes. I've been saying the asshole on film and assholes on film is pretty much the same thing. And for our vintage selections this month, maybe one of the le- least... I mean, he's an asshole. But isn't everyone? No. In this movie? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> but he's a bounty hunter, so I think he's yeah. coming in at a five. Oh, yeah. Because he's money motivated. Not that this character does not do good things, but often... He has to make sure he's got the bag first before he does the good things. Yes. For the retro reviews for our topic, we'll be discussing Sergio Leone's Man With No Name trilogy starring Clint Eastwood as the Man With No Name. They give him a different name. He's called Joe at one point in this movie, but that's not his name. He's just like the the Undertaker's just throwing that name out there for whatever reason. Yeah. But yeah, so we start off with the first of the trilogy, a fistful of dollars. And this movie is just uh, Kurosawa's Yojimbo. Like the year before, Kurosawa released Yojimbo about a samurai who utilizes two warring factions in a town. And people <laughs> saw this, producers saw this, and were like, this would be a great Western. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And literally just adapted it straight <laughs> into a fistful of dollars. This is Yojimbo. 
They they just remake they just westernized the movie that came out the year before. Wow. And this is done by uh it was shot in Italy. That's oh. why they call it spaghetti westerns. Right. You didn't know that. Why do I you know. think they called it spaghetti westerns? I think that was probably in my brain somewhere, you but You think they were all catering was just a big thing of spaghetti and they were just eating that? Maybe it was just slurping noodles in the back. Well, maybe they were. I actually. think I did know that, but I hadn't thought about it. And uh, Spanish and uh, West German production companies. Okay. And so all these companies combined, so you had Spaniards and you had uh, Italians and you had Germans and you had English people. And apparently communication was a, a big problem on the set. Uh, this one stuntman had to interpret a lot going on. Oh, and no. Sergio Leone himself did not speak English. But, I mean, he's no less crafty a filmmaker... His approach and his techniques to this movie are pretty much inspired by the movie that this movie is essentially a remake of. Yeah. It's Yojimbo. And that's not a complaint because, yeah, that's a good story. And, yeah, and it's still a good story. Yeah. When you've changed the setting. And it totally works in the Western concept. But it also established the iconic imagery of Clint Eastwood wearing that poncho, chewing that little cigar... Uh, and killing four guys in like two seconds mm-hmm. with his revolver. You got to be a great shot. Oh yeah, with a gun like that. You, I noticed he has to cock the gun every time. Yeah, yeah. So that makes it even harder because you have to just be like you're totally in sync. He's pulling out. If you miss that, you know, if it jams, if something happens, you're fucked. And from that point, history was made. Also, one thing that Sergio Leone. Uh, showed with this movie you can make a pretty damn fine movie mm-hmm. with not a lot of money this movie cost two hundred thousand dollars wow i wondered at one point because they never left that mm-hmm. small town which was really only like three buildings and i'm sure it's cheap to shoot out in the italian desert yeah uh, it definitely helps. That's you know that is where sergio leone is from and i'm sure they just found a cemetery right Sure, or stuck things into the ground or whatever, maybe. But this movie made $20 million. Oh, my gosh. In 19... uh, Make two more, please. Yeah, 1964. So you see the budget goes up a little bit higher. And by the time you get to the good, the bad, and the ugly, the budget clears a million. I think that's the one I'm going to remember. I don't remember this one, but my dad was a big Clint Eastwood fan. You'll rem- you'll you'll be very familiar with the music from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm, okay. Because that's the oh yes that yeah. And so yeah, the music by Ennio Morricone in this movie, our setup was very loud downstairs. Yes. So every time the camera would go on to the man with no name, Clint Eastwood, they'd do that little flute sound like the man with no name. Danger fits him like a tight black glove. Once you pointed it out, I didn't mind it as much that that was why. Because then I was like, okay. It was just very tinny. Yes. And very sharp. And They're trying to get your attention. I think our DVD copy was also just kind of pretty straightforward. Not necessarily some thoughtfully remastered edition. No. Uh, But yeah. So, A Fistful of Dollars. The Man with No Name, The Stranger, rolls into town. Mm -hmm. The town is... There's uh, the only legit people in this town, truly... Are 
the innkeeper mm-hmm. and the undertaker. Yep. And on both sides of the conflict are the Rojos and the Baxters. And then there's that one man with his son. He's Who, the only other person. That's the first person you see is that kid. The Baxters don't seem to be quite as bad as the Rojos. No, not at all. But the Baxters are also the first ones to talk shit to the man with no name. And he's they're the first ones to get like shot the fuck down yeah. when they try to make a stand on him. And so that's when you discover that one of the Baxters is a sheriff. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? I know. And he's like... The husband of the wife who's head of the Baxter family. Like, she's the one calling the shot. Yeah. That's when the man with no name goes and collects a bounty for killing Baxters from the Rojos. And they hire him, but he's just playing both sides against each other. And he even sets up, like... (laughs) There's this one concept where... They steal uh, gold from the Mexican army. Like, the Rojos just wax them. Yeah. And so he and uh, the, is it the innkeeper or undertaker? The innkeeper goes with him. Yes, Salviatano. Yeah. He sets up these bodies on a tombstone, like. And Salviatano is not having it. Yeah, he's, he definitely questions the the motivations from time to time. He left him there. He was like, I'm not being part of playing with dead bodies. You don't play with dead bodies. And there's one point where he's like, where he hears some shits going on and like between the Baxters and the Rojos and then uh, Clint Eastwood is like, oh, well, I'm going to go get some work from the Baxters then. Yeah. And then Salviatano's like, and he spits at him. Yeah. But he does kind of like him at the same time because once he figures him out and plays him against each other and gets his bag, then he starts to kind of get his revenge for people. He's not a complete dick in the sense that like, He's going to just completely abandon a family. Yeah. But he's going to let that family get kind of dragged back and forth. And he may even go and grab someone to take to the other side so that they can use a bargaining chip to get the other person Oh, yeah. Free. He basically accidentally punches the woman who's held captive at one point and takes her to the Baxters to be like, you can trade her for your guy that they're holding hostage. Tell about the dead bodies, though. That was the that was like the most intricate plan that he did the whole time. <laughs> Everything really, all these plans really had to go right in the most perfect. Yeah, way. he was like dead bodies were setting him up, and then he went to the Baxters, and he was like, "Yeah, the Rojos are stashing there. gold or something like that." Yeah, and then he goes to the Rojos, and he's like, "There's the two Bax- guys alive." Yeah, these are I think these are Baxter people. They're just hanging in the cemetery. They just took some gold. Yeah, so they all converge and they start like attacking each other. But these bodies are not moving. They're not moving. They're not sleeping. It's a There's gunshots all around them. You, they would be hiding. The concept is like a little ridiculous, but the Rojos and Baxters hate each other, so they would shoot each other regardless. The smartest Rojo brother actually does say, those don't look like, they look like dummies. Yeah, yeah. But no one listens to him because he's kind of the older <laughs> Baxter brother that's like the one who holds the money and like pays people and stuff. And the on and the but the I mean Rojo brother the but the big badass of the movie that isn't the man with no name is Ramon Rojo oh yeah who's the slinger who who fucks people up with his rifle mm-hmm. so yeah there's all kinds of basically he just like he's pitting them all against each other to the point where like. They're burning down each other's. While they're fucking shooting it out, he's going into their warehouse and, like, looking for gold and shit. Mm-hmm. It's his... He's the classic anti-hero character. Yes. He's going to do some noble things, but he still has pretty self-absorbed motivations. It's also weird because, you know, he, after he plays both sides, and he's made... If you were to count up the money, he's made thousands of dollars. 
which is a lot of money. He's getting like five hundred dollars to like give information. Yeah, like a thousand dollars to do he this do, or that he or the other. Doesn't do anything for anybody. Nothing for free except he realizes that the woman who's being held captive, Marisol, and her husband, Julio. Yeah. And they have a little boy. And the little boy just cries through the whole movie because he wants his mommy, but yeah. a lot, a little much. But he, but he wanted his mommy, and so there's this one point where they're all standing out in the middle of the town because they're trading Marisol for the Baxter boy, and they're going to switch them. And the boy runs out, and at this moment, Clint Eastwood's like watching everybody, and he basically is like. Man, take your kid home, Marisol. Go to the Roja man. But he knows at that moment he's already decided I'm going to help these people. But that's yeah. not the moment to help them. And he's like, y'all can't kill each other right now. Yeah, yeah. Because then I can't help you later. So later he goes and he they he pretends to be drunk at this party, and they take away Marisol because Ramon's going to go fight somebody. And he goes in and he shoots up the house where they're holding Marisol and tries to make it look a gang of people did it, which yeah, he does because yeah. he's so good. He steals her and he takes her to the man and gives them one of his bags of money and is like, go. Yeah. And they basic, basically are like stunned because they're like, why are you helping us? Yeah, why you, you literally this? like were shuffling us around for hostage shit. And the only personal thing that the man with no name says the entire movie is... Why? I knew someone like you once. There was no one there to help. I'll get moving. Mm. Which means he either loved someone who he couldn't help or something happened to his mommy. Yeah, yeah. Like, he saw something. And so he, he gets them away, but then that's when they get him. Yeah, so they, they're they like, the Rose are like, oh, you've been fucking with us this whole time. So they get the drop on him in his room, and they take him hostage and torture him and crush his gun hand. So they fuck him up. And yep. and then they leave him locked in this warehouse, but he figures out a way to get out and he sets the place on fire and he does it's this comic like booby traps yeah, the room. He, it's like home alone. He goes full Kevin McAllister and like yes. rolls a big barrel on them. And then he uh escapes and he by hiding in a coffin through the and it, it's actually a pretty cool scene where they're trying to find him. And he's under the porch, and you can see them looking down, and he's looking up while they're shuffling around. Like, yeah, Sergio Leone knew how to set up an iconic-looking image. Yeah. That would last, you know. I think his most well-regarded movie is probably Once Upon a Time in the West. Mm. And other than that, probably the Man With No Name trilogy. Sure. So, yeah, he manages to hide in in a casket, and The Undertaker helps him out. And as he's rolling out, of course... The the Rojos think that the Baxters are keeping them. And so they go up to the Baxters and they kill every single every one, of them, one of them, including the sheriff and the wife. And the, and the wife comes out and she's like, these men did not have guns because they were going like, don't shoot, don't shoot. We surrender. They yeah. were surrendering because they knew they had no chance. They're straight up executed. And Ramon's just like, pew, pew, pew. he does not give a shit. And the and Clint Eastwood is like, stop! I want to watch this. And he's like <laughs> looking, and he's like, and after like he sees the last person, the woman shot dead. He's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> they hide him in like a mine. Yeah, and he has to, and he's training his other because he's left-handed, so he's training his right hand yeah. to shoot the pistol this time. Until finally, he gets his shit together, and then he rolls back into town. Yeah, through the mist, the dust, the fog. 
And when he was training his hand, he was practicing shooting, and he realized there was this metal down there that bullets couldn't get through. Yeah. So he made himself this, like, metal breastplate yeah. that he tied around his neck with a rope, and it works because he has this big poncho on. And Ramon has gone through, he's already gone through this spiel about, like, to kill a man, you have to shoot him through the heart. And he does this thing yeah. where he shoots this thin plate of armor and he shoots the shape of a heart with his rifle. That was cool. There's also this, the, 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 what's the thing he always says? Like when a man with a pistol meets a man with a rifle, the man with the pistol will die or something. It's like some, like he says it's an old saying. Yeah. They say these things as though they've been said forever when you, no one has probably never ever said them. Yeah. But so he (laughs) rolls in and Ramon is like, Oh, I got my rifle. And he starts to shoot. And then he gets back up <laughs> and he's taunting him. He's like, Ramon, go for the heart. You got to hit me in the heart, Ramon. I, I'm a man with a pistol. You're a man with a rifle. Shoot me in the heart. Yeah. You got to shoot a man in the heart if you want him to die. And he keeps shooting and shooting until he runs out of his ammunition. Yeah. And then that's when he drops the freaking plate. Of course, maybe shoot him in the head, but I whatever. Said, yeah. Shoot him in the head. Also, he why drop the plate? Ever. Dramatic, the dramatic effect. effect. He wanted to show off. And this then, is how I got you. And then he shoots the gun out of his hand with his new... Now he's ambidextrous, right? Yeah. So he shoots the can't gun. can't wait for the... He shoots the gun out of his hand. Yeah. And then he shoots Ramon. And one of the Rojos, one of the more smarter brothers, tries to ambush. But Silvia Tano uh, gets free because they're going to hang him. Right. They had or they're him up hanging by him. his hands. They're torturing him. Which to- looked, that looked brutal. You, they, the, the way they did it, I don't know how they, I'm sure they had him up there so he wasn't actually being hurt, but his hands were red from how they would be. Like, from I mean, being it, it looked like he was really He dangling. was dangling. Now, they probably had something around his waist or something. I mean, you know, so he wasn't like as much pressure, but it, he shot him down because that was the thing. He was hiding out still. And Sylvia Tano was just to bring him food. He wasn't actually going into town on purpose that and day. And the Undertaker had to come tell him that they, that they are torturing him. Sylvia Tano. And it was so cute when the man with no name is like, well, I guess we got to go. And the Undertaker was like, oh, yeah, I thought you would say that. Gets- I brought you a dynamite and I brought you a gun. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and he gets excited when he gets to bury people. Oh, yeah. But you know, Mr. He Undertaker, likes his job. But Mr. Yeah, he's the only legitimate businessman yeah. in this town, right? There's a bell ringer. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck he? I don't was think doing. he makes too much, though. <laughs> I don't think he makes too much. But you won't get shot if you ring the bell. They'll keep the bell ringer around. <laughs> and uh, but the yeah, the Undertaker, the you know, with the Undertaker is like, you got a nice business, but at some point there have to be people alive to pay for you to bury people. Yeah. So. Who's going to pay for the Baxters to get buried? Well. When they're all dead. Yeah. No one else in the town works. What did that one guy tell him? Oh, yeah. They said it a bunch of times. In this town, the only two options are you get rich or you die. Yeah. And this is supposed to take place on the Mexican side of a border town. Hence why you saw a staged Mexican army shootout. Mm -hmm. Though at the end, after Subitano is rescued and the Rojas are dead... Literally, the only people left in town are the bell ringer, the undertaker, and the innkeeper. Yep. And the man with no name's going on, but he didn't take the gold. He took all the money he did gather that he didn't give to the family, but he left the gold. Yeah. So. 
to there, give back to the Mexican government. There was a comment at the beginning about there being a bunch of widows in town. Yeah. But you never saw them. You kind of got the impression that if anyone else lived in that town, they just never went outside. Yeah, they just stayed in the house. To keep the budget low, we say they stayed in the house. Yeah. I mean, $200,000 is a lot of money in 1964. But, yeah. But yeah, this shit made $20 million yeah. and established Clint Eastwood as an icon, as the guy. And, you know, maybe in movies like um, like an Unforgiven or mm. in... Uh, paint Your Wagon. <laughs> yeah, paint, <laughs> paint Your Wagon, Outlaw Josie Wells. He's probably a bigger dick in those movies, right? No, but, for sure. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wait until we get to the end of the trilogy until we properly rate the man with no mm, name. When we get to know him better. On the, on the asshole scale. But he qualifies. He's no less than a five. But he might be one of the lowest assholes. I mean, who knows how this town would have, you know, gone through their conflicts, mm-hmm. but you gotta admit that when he came in, shit escalated. Well, and at and, one point... And half the town is murdered. Yeah, and at one point they were like, we're going to do peace for a bit. And he's like, well, then I'm moving on. But he didn't move on. He stirred up the shit. So, like, he he is someone who profits on chaos. Yes. And when there's not enough chaos, he makes it. Yeah. So he is an asshole. Yes, he's he is. He's a big asshole. <laughs> he's a merc. He's literally playing with people's lives. Yeah. He's arguably worse than some of the other assholes we've seen because he is on purpose... Having people killing each other. He's the reason the Rojos, the Rojas went to killed every Baxter? killed every Baxter. Those Baxters did not need to die. Yeah, they were. They, they didn't do anything. They didn't like each other very much, but there was way more of them when he rolled into town than yeah. there were when he rolled out. And thank goodness he so, did not leave the place better. And thank goodness the innkeeper, undertaker, and bell ringer survived. Yeah, at the very least, it seemed to be at the end the only people he really liked. Sylvia sure. Tano was his friend. I mean, if you can be cool with the man with no name, you you want to maintain that relationship. Or else he'll, you know, uh, find someone to hire him to kill you for whatever reason. I actually think he appreciated the few times Sylvia Tano told him he was full of shit. Well, Sylvia Tano is straightforward while also keeping his own integrity and morals. Yes. So there's nothing to argue there. He's, he's loyal even if he doesn't agree with you, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think the man with no name respects goodness when he sees it. Yeah. He just understands that he's maybe not the best uh, example of goodness. Right. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, A Fist Full of Dollars, the iconic debut. They made of, a fist full of dollars. Yeah, they did. A clinched fist full of dollars. And uh, I've always thought these movies were a lot of fun at the very yeah. least. And but yeah, like I said, if you've seen Kurosawa's Yojimbo, uh, you've seen this movie. It's just you know they're they're samurai instead of uh, cowboys. So yeah. But we're gonna rate this movie, give it one through five combined for best out of ten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me what you think about it. I did think it was good. I really. I mean, obviously, you know, I was mad at quite a lot of people in this movie at different times. You were you were mad at how dumb people were. <laughs> You're like, when people are chasing you and want to kill you and kidnap you and separate you from your child, you don't stop and ask a man a bunch of questions about why he's helping you. You just fucking go. Yeah, they're just standing you there just staring go. at him. Why? Get moving. Get out of here.
when also when a whole town is looking at you and literally murdering themselves <laughs> over you, you don't say, "Hey, stop! Let me peek out. Open up this thing." How did they not see him? There's ten people in this town. How did they not notice? I thought the that Undertaker? scene. I thought that scene was funny. It was great, but it I was imagined like, Come him. On. I imagined him masturbating while watching that in the casket with, with his good hand. It's a little, yeah. He had one good hand. Yeah. Um, That's a part of the training to get the the other hand as capable as the one that got crushed. Like a 3.25. I'm going to go a 3.75. Okay. I don't, you know, this, this got, uh, I, I really appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're, they're just, the plot wise, it seemed like everything really had to kind of line up in a special way. I do think a 7 makes and sense. And the movie is more about the posturing and the mm-hmm. like the coolness the vibe of it and well I can't remember it's been a long time since I've seen the other two so I'm curious they're much longer than this one so we will we'll see like how much that budget and what Sergio does with it if they uh if they get something besides the uh tempera paint that they used for <laughs> blood in this <laughs> also no matter how you're injured you bleed down your forehead as though you've gigged in wrestling so do you do you think a fistful of dollars is better than Captain Blood? No. Do you think it's better than The Adventures of Robin Hood? Yes. I did really enjoy how cheery Robin Hood was. So. Yes, there was that. There was definitely a um I can't even think of the right word. Cheery, cheery makes sense. So let's let's uh, throw it up. Let me show it to you. Fistful of dollars in between Captain Blood and The Adventures of Robin Hood. I, I wonder what we'd give Yojimbo. Errol Flynn sandwich. Probably like an A. I bet Yojimbo would get an A easy. I'm shaking my head even though I, I don't think I've seen it. But um, <laughs> I know those movies are supposed to be great. So so there's going to be plenty of Man With No Name this month. And uh, we'll be ending also on a, all our vintage asshole movie choices will all be Western. So mm-hmm. all three Man With No Name movies... And the biggest asshole of them all. And our boy, the uh, mascot of the asshole on film, Mr. John Wayne, and his quintessential, the, the quintessential John Ford movie at the end of this month. So check the show notes for links and other places to find us. Uh, did you, you, are you, I'm a, I'm a fan of these, uh, Sergio Leone westerns. What do y'all think? The, where, uh, do you think, who's your favorite cowboy? Tell me in the comments. I mean, <laughs> Clint Eastwood is badass as fuck in this, yeah, in this yeah. uh, movie. No doubt about it. But like and subscribe and uh, talk to me. Correct me. Anything I said that's wrong, yell at me about it. All right? Now, I love you so much. Death to all traitors. Death to all traitors.